0: I will be reading from Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and going, both now and forevermore. You know, as I mentioned about that song, <clears throat> uh, we were singing that song, as I'm sure uh, anybody who's ever been to Chick sings those songs on the way back from uh, from Tennessee or wherever it was. And It just seems like all road trips kind of have soundtracks uh, to them, and those soundtracks could be a little of anything. It could be Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata. It could be the Eagles' Take It Easy or Sweet Home Alabama or maybe even a little... Party in the USA, if you even know that song, um, to each his own. I was thinking about this last week as we were traveling back from Michigan, and we were in the front seat, and we'd been listening, I'd been bouncing around the dial, and I think I landed on some country song, modern country song, I knew him, so I was kind of like, that was going on up front, but in the back seat, Nathan has these headphones on, and he is singing loudly and poorly, uh, Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody. And, and Laura is in the other side with the earphones in, and she's humming along I, some, some other tune. I don't even know. Emily was in the back seat dozing, and Sarah and I up in the front just, just laughing, you know. Every, to each his own, you know, every, everybody their own soundtrack. But it seems that our journey too has a soundtrack. Our journey with the Lord has a soundtrack. We find that song, soundtrack in the Psalms. The Psalms. The Psalms are songs that express what we know of God and what we know of ourselves as well. They are prayers that lament the world in which we live and the pain that we feel. They're also expressions of of our yes or ole or hallelujah. As, uh, As Mike mentioned last week, these 15 Psalms of Ascent were the soundtrack for the Hebrew people as they ascended up to the temple. They literally ascended the roads that led up to the highest mountain in the region, Mount Zion, as the location of, it was also the location of the temple and the city uh, of, of Jerusalem itself. But as I mentioned, it was also a metaphor for our lives, live toward God as we sort of mature one level to the next. And so if Psalm 20 was a lament over the difficulty of the terrain, uh, the culture in which we journey, and a call to be sure that our journey is lived toward God. Psalm 121 is an acknowledgement that the only true hope to make this journey successful uh, is by looking to God. God is our help. God is our help. Now, sometimes I think when we meet the Lord... Um, we think it's all going to be roses and rainbows. <laughs> and there are, you know, half a dozen uh, TV preachers out there who will tell you so. Um, they tell you that your best life is just just a couple hours up ahead. It's just, it's just a couple moments up ahead, you know, <clears throat> that uh, we just have to buck up. Buck up, pilgrim. Um, but then when we have a fight with our spouse... Or our best friend stops talking to us. Or cancer is the diagnosis. Or you have your third miscarriage in two years. There's a divorce. A job loss. The tendency is to ask, God, what are you doing? Have you forgotten me? Or to think that God God has gone off to attend to someone else who is more deserving. Or let the thought creep in even that maybe... Maybe God doesn't even exist. I mean, what's the point of believing? Well, I'm here as your pastor to tell you that in those moments, when those questions come up, you're wrong. You're wrong. For sure God doesn't work like we'd like him to. He doesn't give us the answers that we want oftentimes. He doesn't perform like a magical genie. He's mysterious and unpredictable, but he is always good. He is always faithful. He never, ever, ever leaves us. I was talking to my my parents last week about some of their old friends, the Marbles, who had come to visit them. And I was reminded of a story of Mr. Marble uh, from years ago. When I was a junior in high school, I got a job with Mr. Marble, who owned a heating and cooling uh, company. And uh, we would go, and it was industrial kind of heating and cooling, and we would do all manner of different things. It was a dirty job, pulling out boilers out of churches and schools and all that stuff with torches and whatever it was. Um, oh, It was just awful. Um, and so I was longing most of the summer for like a really good job, not the dirty stuff, right, that some junior in high school gets. And finally, I was given the opportunity. I was, gonna be, I was, I was allowed to take the little S10 pickup truck and uh, fill it with whatever, all kinds of different things, and drive to a job site about an hour away and prep the job and, and leave all that stuff there. I was so excited. I was on my own. I got to drive the little truck. I was 16 years old. Woohoo! it was great. But Mark, can you drive a stick shift? Yes, I can drive a stick shift. My dad taught me how to drive a stick shift so I could drive this S10 truck. So I'm about to pull out onto Warren Avenue uh, in Detroit, which is a busy road in, in Detroit. And I had to wait, wait, wait. I had to back out of the yard. This, with this stick shift, and I had to back out into the middle, in, in between the yellow lines. And so a 16-year-old kid, and I got this, right? Back all the way out, get in the middle of the road, and waiting for traffic to kind of clear, put it in first gear, and I start to go. Dies. What? I, I, what is going on? I put in first gear again, turn on. Um, dies. This happens like three times. I'm like, now I'm starting to sweat. Because everybody in the yard, all these older guys are watching me, I know Mr. Marble's watching me. And finally, Mr. Marble walks up to the edge of the... Uh, edge of the yard and he, and he yells something. I can't hear him over the traffic. The window's closed. He starts to yell something again. and I, I, I roll down the window and he says, check the parking brake. Oh. 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 See, nothing I did there in that moment was going to make that truck go. And It was wrong to think that I could actually uh, do this on my own. Well, Psalm 121 is the voice calling out across the traffic of our lives, telling us that we've been wrong. We've been wrong in how we're going about this Christian life. And then very gently, but seriously, telling us the right way. The fact that our help does not come through our strength, our resources, our wealth, our know-how, our craftiness, or anything like that. Our help... Is then the one who made all of this, made all of us, gave us all of those gifts in and of themselves. Now, the Psalm describes, I think, three different um, things that uh, threaten travelers. And the first one is this the first one, turn this on, there we go. The first one is missteps. So the Psalm says uh, that God won't let your foot slip. So we know that that when we are walking along in a journey, there's always, you know, there could be a raised curb, there could be a a loose rock, there could be a root that would allow us to trip. And in our lives, the same thing is true. But the psalmist says that God won't let our foot slip. The second issue that the psalmist points out is exhaustion, right? In the heat of the day, uh, there are all manner of things as we walk along that might cause exhaustion. I remember uh, we were a couple of years ago. We went to the annual meeting out in Phoenix. Our family and uh, we were wanted to walk down into the Grand Canyon, and uh, we just wanted to walk down a mile or so. And uh, we were told by no less than four different rangers walking up the other direction. Do you have enough water? Don't go down too far. In fact, you probably should turn around right now. It was actually getting kind of annoying because we had I had I had a backpack full of water, but. We know that uh, we don't have to be in 100 100 degree plus heat um, to experience exhaustion. There are all manner of things in our lives that cause that kind of exhaustion. And the second, third issue that he points out is mental collapse. Um, Thomas says that the moon will not harm you by night if God is with you. When God is with you. Now, by the time of the New Testament, it was a cultural concept that there was a connection between the moon and mental illness they would talk about being moonstruck if you've ever heard that word it would cause all manner of anxiety depression lunacy even and that was the understanding so this is what uh, the psalmist is talking about here now we can easily easily replace all of these things all of these issues with with our own uh, the things in our own lives or just by watching uh, TV for like 20 minutes. So you can add to that moral failure, school shootings or, or, or other tragedies, disease, whether cancer or perpetual fatigue, depression, anxiety, divorce, character assault. But then you notice the psalmist says God will not let these things happen, whether a misstep, a slip, or, or, or exhaustion, or, or, uh, or mental collapse. And so by saying this, should we then assume that Christians don't experience those things? Well, we know that they do. So you ask, well, what gives here? Mark? What's going on? Well, let me give you a little context. When the psalmist asks uh, or says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? He's essentially saying, does my help come from the mountains? Now, he's not just talking here about the strength, the majesty, the, the 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 timeless nature of creation. Now, there in 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 Palestine, when these songs were written, pagan worship was absolutely rampant in that time and in that place. Shrines were built, and most of them, many of them at least, were built up in the hills, uh, in the mountains. Temples were set up, trees were planted. Uh, prostitutes even were employed for travelers to come and engage in worship where it was promised, where all manner of things were promised. If you needed your land to be fertile, well, you could perform worship and to a god before a god, a goddess of fertility, and you were promised fertility for your land. Or if you uh, needed release from, uh, heal- or healing from a disease, or you needed protection from uh, evil, there was a god for that, and a god for that. All of these things had gods before whom you uh, performed. You, if you were exhausted from the sun, you'd go to the sun god. You worship before him, he would give a pronouncement of, pronounce an enchantment. If you need a release from mental illness, you are moonstruck, so to speak. You go to the moon priestess and buy a, a magical charm. Well, if you think about it, we do a similar thing, whether it's self-help thinking or whether it's these male-female empowerment groups, or a financial pyramid schemes. All of those things are not God. And they, in fact, separate us from God. Because they are reliances on who? On us. On a formula, on a book, on some group of people, on some philosophy, some way of thinking, and they separate us from God. But Psalm 2121 Is the voice that says gently, but seriously, you're going about this in the wrong way. This is in fact wrong. The Lord is the one who is your help. He is your guardian. He is the maker of all of this. In verse 3, it says, God never slumbers, never sleeps, ever. He watches over Israel neither sleep nor slumber. Now, in that culture, uh, the god Baal was understood as needing sleep, and Baal got kind of angry if you woke him up too soon, and so they had priests whose job it was to wake him up appropriately so. Remember the, the whole episode with Elijah um, when he confronts the, the hundreds and hundreds of, of prophets of Baal, and he kind of taunts them by saying, go ahead, wake him up, maybe he's relieving himself, right? Right? Well, this is a re- reference uh, to that. God is with you. God is with you always when you start out on the journey and when you arrive at that place. He keeps you from evil. And what is evil? Well, evil is a separation from God. Separation from God and God's purposes. And every time we put worth in one of those things, for the ancients it was the, uh, you know, the, uh, the sun or the moon god, For the moderns, it's self-help groups or philosophies or financial security. Every time we do that, we replace God, and that is evil. That is wrong. In essence, we put ourselves on the throne that only God should have in our lives. And so missteps and exhaustions and and, and mental collapse, they, they threaten us with this. They threaten us with separation from God. And we start saying things like, as I mentioned before, God doesn't care. Or maybe God is off with someone who is more Christian. Or he's no help at all. I've got to do this myself. I've got to buck up. I've got to think good thoughts, create task lists, start a healthier lifestyle, grab an amulet, and start rubbing. Say the magic words. So the bad thoughts, the bad circumstances go away and eventually there's separation. But the promise of the Psalm is that there is no illness, no snub, no accident, no injury that will, that will have the power of evil over us. That is the power to separate us from God. In no way does this this psalm or any passage in the Bible tell us that followers of Jesus are exempt from difficulty or illness or brokenness, but it does promise to keep us from the evil in those things. That is the potential they have to separate us from God and His purposes. Our help is from God. Our help is God. Psalm 21 mentions the personal name Yahweh, translated God, three different times. And he mentions that God is the guardian, or the guardian, the one who guards our ways, some eight times. And so this is not some high official sort of pronouncing orders coming down from on high. This is a personal God who quite literally gets down and dirty with us and helps in ways that actually matter. And we see this not just in Psalm 121, we see this all through Scripture. Paul writes about it in 1 Corinthians. He writes, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to everybody. And God is faithful. He will not be tempted. You, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can endure it. God is faithful. He is always with you. He will never let these things in our life Create separation between us and him. Also writes, this, writes about this in, in Romans. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know this, right? We know that even in the toughest moments, in the, in, the, in the valley of the shadow, God is there transforming the difficulty into something beautiful. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can possibly be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for all of us, How will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who can bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. And nothing, it goes on to say, nothing can separate us from his love. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. If you think about it, the image of the journey can be seen in a lot of different ways. And I want you to think for just a moment about a journey on a boat. Um, when you're on a boat, a lot of things can happen, right? Um, storms can come up, winds, waves, all of that. And none of that is a threat. None of those things—storms, winds, waves, all of that—none of it is a threat until the water gets inside the boat, right? Until it, it it crests the hull, or if you find a hole in the boat, nothing can nothing can threaten us until that gets on the inside. And when that only when that happens can the boat sink. Well there's that there's an image that I've shared with you before uh, of a picture of a painting that's hanging in my office. It's from a story in Matthew chapter 8. And the story is this that um, the disciples are in a boat with Jesus and a storm arises. And they're freaking out. Now these are these are like, you know, Uh, weathered fishermen. They know what storms are all about. But they are freaking out. This must have been a bad storm. But Jesus is with them. But Jesus (laughs) is asleep in the boat. And you see John and Peter here. Peter's the one with his hands out. and John's down cowering in the bottom of the boat. They are pleading with Jesus. What are you doing? What's going on? Don't you see? Don't you see this wind? (laughs) You know, Jesus is there snoring. Eventually, they rouse him and he looks at them. He says, Oh, what little faith you have. Because, see, Jesus understands there is separation, there is evil far greater than just wind and waves. There is an evil that allows these things to separate us from God. And Jesus knows that he is never, ever separated from God. Ever. It's a wonderful uh, image, I think. In our journey, the only thing that sinks us is when we let the difficulty get inside us. Let the misstep, the exhaustion, the emotional collapse, the snub, the, emotion, the relational trauma, The oppressive boss, the the house fire, the miscarriage, the illness, gets so far inside that it creates distance between us and God. This is what Isaiah writes. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. Why? Simply because I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I am who I am, and I will not let that evil separate me from you, no matter what you go through, no matter what you experience. You know, I think the important thing is when we have storms and difficulties, the important thing is that we practice the faith that we proclaim on Sunday, Monday through Saturday. We come to worship and we, we sing songs that praise God. We use words and, and read words that talk about His faithfulness, his, his strength, His power, His guardianship over our lives. They proclaim that he is the maker of heaven and earth. But then on Monday, we begin to pick up the rabbit's foot. We worship at the temple of Oprah. We plan to work out so that we'll feel better about ourselves or we watch a TED talk on making stress our friend. Well, Doing that is like trying to drive a truck with a parking brake on. The Lord who made the heavens and the earth, who spoke light out of darkness, who actually came and died for each one of us. This God, He is your help. He is your help. He will keep you from all evil, evil of being separated from Him. Because He is your help, because He will not be separated from you, the invitation is held out to you to go to Him, to run to Him. And we go through the same stresses, the same challenges, the same horrible circumstances as everyone else. The difference, says Eugene Peterson, is that each step the Christians walk, each breath we breathe, we know that we are preserved by God. We know that we are accompanied by God. We know that we are ruled by God. And therefore, no matter what doubts we endure or what accidents we experience, the Lord will guard us from every evil. He guards us. Our very life. Now, we become to understand this, but not looking to our problems, not even looking to the answers to our problems, but by actually looking to God, looking to Jesus. You know, not only did my dad teach me how to drive a stick shift, he he actually gave me a life life lesson in mowing the lawn. Um, I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but uh, my dad was kind of a perfectionist. And so when we mowed the lawn, he needed all those rows straight. They all needed to be straight. Now, the problem was we had crappy lawnmowers all growing up. He was also cheap, too. And so we would have these trash-picked lawnmowers, like, put together into one lawnmower. They never went straight. And so I would be out there, you know, my 9- nine- and 10-year-old self making these lines and all over that, You know, all over the place. And I'd come in so frustrated. Dad, I'd say, Dad, look at this thing. It's just not going. He's like, come on out. He said, when you're mowing the lawn, Mark, I don't want you to look down at where the wheel goes, you know, and, the, and that line. I want you to look to where you want to go and watch what happens. And he did what all dads do to sons, make them look like fools. <clears throat> and he grabbed a lawnmower, and in one or two swipes, just simply by looking to where he wanted to go, would make that line go straight. I've always remembered that. Every time I'm on the lawn and many other times uh, in my life, when we look to where we want to go, the road ends up much straighter than when we look down. Let's say our problems, our distresses, our missteps, our exhaustion, our mental collapses, whatever those might be. As I as I began, I said that all of our journeys have a soundtrack. Well, one, <laughs> I have found that there is a good one in the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Maybe you know this song. Maybe it is not there. Maybe I just read it for you. <clears throat> you know this song. There it is. O oh soul, are you wearied and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look. At the Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. I lift my eyes up to the heavens. Does my help come from the? I lift my eyes to the mountains. Does my help come from those? No. My help comes from the Lord who is the maker of the heavens and the earth and the mountains and everything else but only when i lift my eyes to him is that fact that truth realized in my life and in your life oh church lift your eyes to the heavens wherever you find your place self in the journey